Uh, that's because it's not been released. That was actually written by a young lady in our congregation, Miss Tiffany Sally. And Bob, uh, uh, she brought to Bob, she actually wrote the song 19 years ago at a center in Nashville, Mercy Ministries in Nashville, where she was over there just walking through some things. And she gave it to Bob a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and Bob reworked the music and did all the production behind it. I'm telling you, we've got some talented people in our church. We, we absolutely do. Uh, before we kick into that, a couple things. Um, uh, one, I want to say, man, y'all want to, you know, uh, Pastor Amanda's up here talking about what your giving does. I'm telling you, because uh, of the giving of the people in this church, people that call Watts Bar Church home, we are able, next year we'll be, I mean, next week we'll be handing these out, but we were able to supply Christmas for 32 kids this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, that, that's, Look around. That that is incredible for our for our church, and I'm I think next year we're even going to be able to do more than that. Uh, God is blessing. And the other thing I know Amanda's already said this, but I'm going to tell you today: if you've got an hour and a half, two hours to give, come out and join us at the parade today. And you may say, Kelly, it's a Christmas parade. How important can it be? Here's what you miss. If you think that church is only about us coming together on Sundays, you miss the point. This gets us involved in our community. It connects us with our community. Uh, in fact, uh, Melody, uh, some of you may or may not know Melody and Daniel McNeil that are over our, our um, Celebrate Recovery that is going to be launching the ninth. Me and Melody actually uh, went and met with some different pastors and people working to bring a recovery system to this area. And, and what was funny is the pastor down there at United Methodist Church um, was talking. He said, man, uh, he had got Melody's number. And she said, I don't know how he got my number. He called. I said, I, I don't either. Well, we found out that uh, Miss Faye is not that uh, cautious with giving our numbers out to people. <laughs> so, so. But, uh, so she got her number, or he got her number, called her, and says, hey, listen, we were, I was talking to another pastor over here in Mex County, and we were talking about, uh, uh, he, I was telling him how we need to start a recovery for addicts and for things like that, and, he, and he's the one that brought up Watts Bar Church. He said, man, they've had a, a recovery program, and they're getting ready to kick off CR, Accelerate uh, Recovery, in January. And so that what, that's what got us into the meeting. And I sat down there, I told the pastors, the uh, community people, I said, listen, you need to understand, this is not a Watts Bar thing. I could care less if Watts Bar Church gets any credit. We just want to be a host to what God is doing in this community. It's setting people free, not just from drugs, but from some hang-ups, from walking through some unforgiveness, through some things. And we're going to be having another meeting, and they've encouraged anyone that wants to be a part of that. To, and I'll let you know when that meeting is going to be. But we are in need of people to work to celebrate recovery when it kicks off January 9th. Uh, those of you who say, well, I signed up and I haven't been called this week. They'll be reaching out to you. We're going to need greeters. We're going to need people that don't mind cooking, bringing food, uh, uh, different things like that. But I'm going to tell you, we're believing God's going to use that to really minister to this county. Amen? Amen. Were y'all ready for today? All right, a few of you are. I'll take that. Uh, 
Week two of our series, our Christmas series, The Isle of Misfits. We opened up this series last week uh, with a question. What would you do if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? What would you do? How would that affect the way you lived your life? How would it affect the way you approached work, the way you approached your marriage, your relationships, if you were absolutely confident God was with you? I got a text later that afternoon um, from, from a, a couple. The guy was like, he said, Pastor, we want first, first he was asking me about how they can be part of our Christmas give back. And then he said, today you asked that question. And he quoted out there, what would you do if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? He said, the word that came to my mind this morning was fearless. I would live fearless. And here's what I know. We all know in our knower that God is with us. We, we all know that. But it's when life hits us, when a storm hits us, it gets hard to see God during those times. Come on, can we be honest? Can't feel him, can't hear him, can't see him. But we know it. And we've got to understand God is with us. And what helps us is this. Look back. Get some, uh, some uh, rear view vision going on. Remember the times God was faithful. Remember the times when God was there in your life. You, you know what I'm talking about. Don't live in the past. But I think it's good to remember uh, when you walked through something and you saw God was with me. Because when you do that, then it's able for you to see how clear that God, if God was with you then... God will be with me then. Are you hearing me? If he was with me then, I know he's going to be with me now. Now listen, I'm hungry. Uh, I'm preaching on stress. And I've got some stress-related hunger going on right now. <laughs> so I need y'all to get with me. Get with me. Uh, last week we talked about a particular name given to Jesus. A name that the prophet Isaiah gave to him actually 700 years before Jesus was born. The name Emmanuel, God with us. And that brought us to that question, what would you do if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? Uh, there's nobody else in history that has more names than, or titles than Jesus. 170 names and titles in the Bible given to Jesus. We looked at Emmanuel last week. We're going to look at another one of those this week. Uh, in the movie that we're naming this series after, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it's called The Island of Misfit Toys because that's what happens. It is chaotic. I mean, the whole movie really is chaotic. You, you've got Rudolph and Hermie that feel isolated. They feel, uh, they feel like they don't fit in, kind of being bullied. They run away from home, and they end up getting lost. Well, then they run into Yukon Cornelius, a gold miner. Well, then he takes them in, and they're all, oh, we're all misfits. Let's go out and do this, live life, which, you know, it's kind of weird when you think about an old man telling two young people, oh, come and live with me. Uh, but anyway, um, but that has nothing to do with my story. So but they, they get going, and then uh, they run into the abominable monster. Well, then they get chased off, and they find themselves in this predicament where they're on this, uh, the water's right here. They can't get away, so what they do, Cornelius takes his pig. He picks them off a patch of ice. They float away, don't know where they're going, and that's where they end up on the Isle of Misfit Toys. Well, then on through the movie, a blizzard hits, almost canceling out Christmas. It is chaotic. And, and how many knows Christmas time can be chaotic? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I figure if my parents, especially, I'd get more amens. 
It can be chaotic. It, it used to kick off the, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. You know, I miss those times. When you got up at 3 in the morning because the stores opened up at like 4 or 5 in the morning. Now, right after you eat lunch on Thanksgiving, you hit the road running. That, that's, listen, that's, don't call it Black Friday. Call it Overstuffed Thursday or something like that, but not Black Friday. Hey, I'm so, I'm so full, I'm going to puke on somebody Thursday. Uh, but don't call it Black Friday. Uh, but it can be chaotic, and, and it wonder where is peace? Can anybody relate? I, I'm reminded of this story uh, when talking about peace where these two guys, they hadn't seen each other in a while, and they were at this fa uh, high school reunion. And once they both got married, the guy said, man, how's the married life treating you? He's like, man, i got to be honest. It's terrible. There is no peace in our home. He said, my wife is just stays on me, controls, trying to control everything. It's not peaceful. It's not going good. He said, well, what about you? How's married life treating you? He said, man, my marriage is great. He said, I mean, we, we've got an incredible, we hardly ever, don't ever argue, don't ever, it's peaceful. He said, what's your secret? He said, I'll tell you, man, when we, before we ever got married, the day, the day before our wedding, we sat down and we made a decision. Listen, all the big, big decisions I'm going to make. All the small decisions she's going to make. And we've been married 10 years, and we've not run into one big decision that I've had to make yet. <laughs> so there's peace in our house. Come on now. Let's look at another one of those names given to Jesus. It's found in Isaiah 9, ch uh, chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here's the name. Say it with me. Prince, Prince of Peace. I love the holidays. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. But we just came through Thanksgiving. And if you're honest, Thanksgiving Day was anything but peaceful at your house. Maybe some of you. And if you're being honest, Christmas morning, it's not going to be peaceful. It's going to be, be chaotic, especially if you've got kids, because then you're going to, have to pick up all the paper, and hopefully you're not throwing away a toy that they covered up in the process of opening up all their gifts. It's going to look like a tornado ran through your house. Come on. Anybody? Come on now. Be honest. Uh, unless y'all are just, then I'm preaching to the wrong people. Um, and I know this, this statement is going to be unpopular for some, especially Barb Sally. Uh, but I truly believe this, and I believe God spoke to me and said this was how he feels. Jesus feels the same way. He's that, that no one should ever put up, decorate a Christmas tree or sing Christmas carols till the day after Thanksgiving. It's in the Bible. Not really. Rebellious is, is as a sin of witchcraft. That's in the Bible. Um, but but it can be, honestly, Christmas can be so not peaceful. In fact, one of my favorite shows I'm watching right now is uh, uh, 911. 
And their final episode this season uh, had this opening scene, and me and Bob could not pull it off. So, I, so it's a little bit wonky because you can't hear it because I actually took my phone and recorded it on the screen because it's so good it describes Christmas, what Christmas is like to a whole lot of people. Check this out. Bring that volume up, please. Volume, please. You say that's not right. Come on, have y'all seen some of the videos of people getting into the Walmart or the shopping mall? It's chaotic Christmas in itself because of what it brings. You're going, you're on the go more than you usually are. Uh, you've got to buy gifts. Uh, if you've got a child in elementary or middle school, well, guess what? You get to bake cookies or something for them to take to school for the closing out party. And then you've got to buy that teacher a gift. To make up, and hopefully she'll forget the hell that your kid put her through <laughs> leading up to that point. Come on now, some of y'all, y'all, some of y'all know, yeah, you're talking about my kid right there. Uh, it chaotic, and if you're married or, uh, this, well, or, or in a divided family, well, you got to go over here for lunch. Well, then we got to go there. We got a late lunch over here. Let's go over here for late lunch. Oh, we're done. Well, let's go over here for dinner. Well, then we got to go over here for late dinner. Come on now. It's anything but, and you get stressed out. We are stressed out financially. We're stressed out uh, emotionally, physically, relationally. We are all stressed out and nowhere to go. Some of y'all don't look to the left or right. You are dreading Christmas because you know you're going to have to spend some time with some families you don't really want to spend time with. 
come on now, you know, Lisa Payne just, yeah, he's right. But you find yourself stressed out. Um, so, you know, the studies have shown that stress can, can trigger physical problems in, in your body. We get stressed out. They, they say that under stress, the body and mind will begin to make adjustments and overcompensate. Like energy will burn at a higher rate. Your blood pressure, uh, heart rate goes up. Even your body temperature starts to rise. All of that causes your immune system to break down, which causes you now to be more susceptible to disease and viruses. Stress. Stress. Stress has been known to uh, show that it can accelerate aging. Do you know that? I, I saw that and I thought, you know what? I, I looked up a picture of Denise and I when we first started pastoring here seven and a half years ago. Here it is. Apparently it changes your pigmentation too. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. I don't care what you say. Some experts believe this. Somewhere between 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are stress-related. We are a stressed-out bunch of people. The, the, the word stress actually comes from a Latin word that means this, to be drawn tight or tied up in knots. You ever, you know, some man, my, my stomach is all in knots. Stress. Stress. And that describes where some of you are right now. You're tied up in knots, whether it's relationally, emotionally, financially. Some of you even spiritually, you're tied up in knots. Yet Isaiah says that a child has been born to us. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Then, uh, that, that's in Isaiah. So let's jump now to Luke chapter 2 where we hear something else about peace. This is where the angel appears to the shepherds and makes this announcement. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And what? Come on, and what? Peace on. Peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. Isaiah, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Here the angel says, peace on earth. When you think about the original, the real Christmas story, what Mary, Joseph, and all those other are involved, when you think realistically, not what we see in our nativity scenes we set up, it was anything but peaceful. I, I mean, think about it. Uh, you've got uh, Mary, young teenage Mary, who's betrothed, engaged to Joseph. Mary's a virgin, and, and she ends up pregnant. Not by Joseph. Anybody think that conversation between her and Joseph is going to be peaceful? And then it says, oh, but Joseph, you don't understand, I'm pregnant by God. Come on. Think about it. Let's think about it realistically. That's not going to be a peaceful... Imagine your daughter, dad, your daughter comes to me, dad. Mom, I'm pregnant. That's the, bad, the good news is I'm pregnant with God. Yeah, well, God, what's God's name? Joey? Rick, let me see, because they're, they're going to get a piece of my mind. 
But that's what happens. It's teenage girl. And, and then, you know, the Bible says that, hey, you know, Joseph's first thing was, I, I'm going to send her away. I don't want her killed, but I'm going to divorce her, send her away. Angel appears and just says, okay, this is, this is of God. So now, nine months, has anybody ever traveled anywhere with a woman nine months pregnant? Is it peaceful? For some reason, I think there's a lot more wrong with you than that. But let's go. But get this. I, I mean, I remember when, when I think it was Kennedy was born, and, and I just had to drive Denise, like, she, water broke, let's go, to the, five minutes down the road to clean the hospital. That was stressful enough. Now, imagine a nine-month pregnant teenage girl on the back of a donkey for over 100 miles. Is that Jesus? <laughs> for over 100 miles. Come on, man. It's, you're not just dealing with, uh, uh, turn this way, turn, turn that way. Oh, stop, stop. No, you're dealing with, oh, couldn't you find a better donkey? <laughs> couldn't you find one that's got the latest model that doesn't ride so rough? We're going over 100 miles. Well then, okay, on top of that, they finally get to where they're going. And sure enough, Joseph has not went ahead and logged on to hotwire.com and, and <laughs> see if they can get a room. There's no hotel, motel, or holiday. Come on, now where my old school people at? Y'all got to say with me. That does not sound peaceful at all. Well, then they get there. He, he negotiates a deal. Says, okay, we got, got this. I couldn't hear. Listen, man, my wife has been on my tail for over 100 miles on a donkey. She's nine miles pregnant. And the guy's like, say enough. <laughs> enough said. I got a stable. Will that work? Bro, anything will work. They get a stable. And they go in there and lays the Get this. It's not the stable that you see in the nativity scenes. It's not that everything's in place. Animals are behaving perfectly. No, there are animals in this stable. Well, where there's animals, there's poop. <laughs> this place stinks. Does that sound peaceful to anybody, much less a nine-month pregnant young teenage girl? I'm telling you, then on top of that, baby's born. Then you've got a power-hungry king that gets paranoid and orders the death, the slaughter of any male-born baby two years old and under. Does it sound like there's peace in that city at all? I mean, I want you to imagine the devastation that is going through this city. Mom and dads weeping and wailing where their kid, their baby was ripped from them, slaughtered in front of them. And in the middle of all that, the Bible says that the Prince of Peace was born. I mean, it's easy to look at everything that's going on. It's like, Prince of Peace? Where's peace in any of that? Where is the Prince of Peace in any of that? That was 2,000 years ago. Today, it doesn't take you very long. Come on now. 
to log on to, to social media or, or turn on the news and see that there it, you're asking the question, where is the peace? In, in, in all this, uh, I open up. I, I see people that are followers of Jesus. I know they are, but it seems like their life is filled with nothing but chaos, anxiety. And if they don't have a problem, it's like they create one because they thrive on anxiety. Come on, y'all know people. And then I look at our marriages, and you think he's a Christian. She's a Christian. Man, they should have peace in their marriage. Yet the divorce rate in the church is the same, if not a little higher than that in the world. I have to say, where is all the peace in this? And there's people can't get along. The littlest thing offends anybody nowadays. I mean, you look at our country, politicians on both sides, there's no peace. You turn on the news, it doesn't take long before you hear of another shooting, another terrorist attack, another road rage incident. And we're like, where is the Prince of Peace in all this? And if you're asking that question, what it comes down to is, how do you define peace? Because I think one of our biggest problems is we define peace on if things are going well in their life. We define, and we'll say, you know, if I could just get the right job, then I would have peace. If I had a better spouse, then I would get peace. If my kids weren't so demon-possessed, then I would have peace. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's a gap like two years old to 25. <laughs> some of, some of y'all thinking 30, 31. But that's the thing, the perfect job, house, car. Then I would be at peace. But many of us have lived long enough to know this. No matter if you check off everything on your list, those do not bring peace. They don't bring peace. So who is Jesus, the Prince of Peace? Well, the Hebrew title for him is this, Jesus Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. And that's important. I, I even, we, we've got this uh, Jewish friend uh, that lives in New York. Denise and I met him about four years ago on a plane. And for some reason, he, is, he calls us out of nowhere. He'll FaceTime me just to talk. And, uh, and Denise and I both believe, man, that, that God is going to use this relationship. But I called, uh, talked to him, and I said, man, I'm preaching. I'm using this word. I want to make sure I'm using it right. And he's like, yeah, man. You know, in fact, he may be watching. He didn't know we were Facebook Live. So if he is watching, Neil, howdy, buddy. Uh, uh, but here's what it means, Sar Shalom. Sar means the one who is in charge. Captain, Lord, the chief, commander in charge. The Romans used the word Sar. It later became Tsar, and then it went to Caesar. Caesar. The shalom means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness. So Jesus is the sar shalom. In other words, he is the captain of our rest. He is the chief of wholeness, of completeness. Jesus is the shar shalom. And what that means is as long as we are in Christ, as long as we are submitted to the sar shalom, we can walk in that peace. What, what is that? What do you mean? That means you can't live any way you want to live and do anything you want to do and expect to have that kind of peace. 
Uh, I mean, you, like, can, can a couple get in a huge fight, call each other's names, embarrass their kids, then expect to have peace with God? No. If you were struggling with that question, the answer is no. Because you're not, you're operating outside of the Sarge alone. Can someone run up their credit card, spend money, they, more money than they make, and expect to have peace? No. Because you're not operating under the Sar Shalom. And I could go on, but here's what we need to understand is this. It's only when we submit to the Lordship of the Sar, the one who is in charge, that we operate in the Shalom, the peace that he brings. Uh, that's, that's why you see people that on the outside, you're, you know what they're going through, and you're, why aren't they falling apart? Why aren't they losing it? Why aren't they in just complete disarray? Because they've submitted to the Sar Shalom. And even in chaos, the Sar Shalom brings peace. Brings peace. That, that word shalom, though, it's more than just uh, a peaceful, easy feeling that the eagles sing about. It means rest, whole, wholeness. So what does that look like in our everyday life when we're talking about the Sar Shalom? Well, this is, he is the peace who comforts you. He is the Sar Shalom who comforts you. Some of you have some things going on in your life, man, or some things that are so out of control, and there is no inward peace. There's no inward spiritual peace. And here's what you need to know. The star shalom wants to bring that to you. He wants to comfort you. John 14, 27 says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Question, whose peace did Jesus say he's leaving with us? His peace. His peace. Some of you may be thinking, well, Kelly, I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't seem to have any peace. What's the deal? Well, for a lot of people, the reason we don't is because whatever situation we find ourselves in or whatever it is, we're trying to work it out on our own. We're trying to solve it on our own instead of surrendering it and saying, God, I can't do this here. It's yours. I, I'm just going to rest in your peace. And we quit figuring out. Because here, when it comes to shalom, the full understanding, shalom has more to do with your character than it does your circumstance. Your character. See, shalom is this internal, deep internal condition that despite the chaos that's going on everywhere around you, the Saul Shalom stands and says, my peace I give you. My peace. Remember the, the word, uh, that's the definition for stress or the Latin word means to be drawn tight or, or to be tied in knots? Here's what a, a guy by the name of Cornelius Platinga Jr., a theologian, he defines shalom like this. He says, shalom is the way God wants things to be or the way things ought to be. That's shalom. When shalom, God brings shalom, he, he makes things the way they ought to be. Let me ask you, is this world the way it ought to be? Are our school systems the way they ought to be? Or is something kind of jacked up in the whole, whole thing, world, everything? See, what causes that? The Sar Shalom is, is a simple three-letter word. Sin. Sin interferes with things being the way God wants them to be. Sin comes in and kind of throws us off 
the mark of where, where we're ahead of it, sin comes in, and now we drift. We drift. It disrupts. And so when the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom was born, God was saying, here I am coming to set things right again. To set things straight. See, our understanding of salvation is, is really different from what the Jewish believers saw as salvation. To us, when we think of salvation, it's more of a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's, uh, see, salvation to the Jewish believers was more than just forgiveness of sin. I'm thankful for both of those. Amen? But to the Jewish believer, salvation, it impacted every area of their life. It meant God came to make them complete. God came to make them whole. God came to restore, untie the knots, and make them the person he originally created them to be. God's gift of salvation is a whole lot more than just forgiveness of sin. Salvation meant being set at one again. That's what Paul was talking about, I believe, in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, that's the external reality. He says, we have peace with God, the inward, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I love the way the message paraphrases this. It says, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. What's he always wanted to do? Set us right with him. Make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. We have it all together. Anybody feel like you've got it all together? If you do, I would love to meet you and tell you how wrong you are. It says God came that we could have it all together, that he could set things right, that he could make, things, make us whole. See, God wants to do more than just forgive our sins. He wants to restore us to the person we were, we were created to be. Let me tell you a lie. It doesn't take long for you to be in this world for you to start deviating away from the, where God, who God originally created you to be. It doesn't take long. With people telling you you're this. People telling you that. It doesn't take you long to forget the identity that God placed on you. And start becoming somebody totally different. You see, I, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you did before you walked through those doors. Here's what you need to understand is that sin, your past, is not the final word in what's going on in your life right now. Are you hearing me? And sin will not be the final word of what, of what happens in this world. How do you know that? Because I know the Sar Shalom. And he is setting things right. He's setting it right. And I know there are people stressed out. I know the holidays even intensifies that because of memories, because of things that are going on. But what you need to know, life may be uncertain, but Jesus is most certain. Your job may be uncertain. Jesus is most certain. Your marriage for some of you may be uncertain. You need to know Jesus is most certain. Some of you, your kids, you're struggling with some of the choices they're making. And it may be uncertain, but Jesus is most certain. The doctor's report. I'm telling you, man. Denise and I visited uh, with Melody this past Friday. And... Uh, what a warrior. Everything that she's been through, I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. 
And we're praying and believing. Why, Kelly? Why? Because during worship, I had, had Steve Voicing come up and show me a video of a young man I had this church pray for last Sunday. 20-year-old that took a gun, put it under his chin, shot himself. And they said, listen, the right side of his body will never work. He won't talk again. He won't do this. And Steve came up and showed me a video of him moving around, talking, and doing Why? Yeah. Why? Because I believe that suicide does not have to have the final word. I do believe that the saw shalom can come in and make things right, set things straight again. I'm going to tell you, those things may be uncertain, but Jesus is most certain. Listen to the uh, words of the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself, uh, in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Anybody notice he didn't say, hey, uh, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world and you can too. Can you imagine Jesus sitting down with his disciples and telling them that? Hey, I've overcome the world and you can too. They'd be like, they might not have said it, but they've been thinking, Jesus, we can't even overcome our insecurities. Jesus, we can't even overcome our selfishness, our anger issues. And you're saying we can overcome the world? But that's not what Jesus said. He said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me interpret that for you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to do what you can never, ever do. And I'm not just doing it for my sake. I'm going to do it for your sake also. Uh, Jesus took uh, our greatest enemy uh, on their own playing field. And listen, let me, let me be very clear. He didn't just squeak out a last-minute win. He totally demolished our enemy. It wasn't even a contest. And Jesus said, I know you can never do that, so I did it for you. And through me, you can overcome too, but only through me. Through me. I mean, John 16, 33, you, you, Jesus, you can do it. Here, this is the thing about Christianity and religion. You do know they're not the same, don't you? This is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. Christianity doesn't, doesn't give you a, a moral code and says, here, do your best. Have at it. It actually gives us ways to live it out. It actually gives us, tells us how we can do this. I've said this a hundred times, and I'll keep saying, you want to know the biggest difference between Christianity and religion? You spell religion, D-O, do. It's all about what you do. But you want to spell Christianity, D-O-N-E. It's all about what Jesus has already done. It's done. It's done. So what's this got to do with peace? Let's look at the first part of John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. What things did Jesus tell them about? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've told you these things. I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you, come on, anybody remember Christianity when it, hey, get saved and everything will go great with you. That wasn't Jesus' message. He said, I'm telling you up front, in this world, you will have trouble. But my peace 
is going to be in you because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. In me, in the Sar Shalom, you, you can have rest in those moments of trouble. You can have completeness when it seems like everything else is falling apart. In me, Jesus said, I can untie the knots that are in your stomach. I can undo all the chaos, untie all of that. How do you access that kind of peace? Well, let's look back at Luke 2, 14 in closing. The angel said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's vital that we understand what he's saying here, peace on earth. See, this wasn't an angel showing up and making a declaration. Hey, peace, peace to everybody. You know what it was? It was an angel showing up and giving an invitation for people to finally be able to walk in wholeness. It's an angel showing up and saying, guys, listen, I know it's not like, been like this in the past. But now because of the Sar Shalom being born, you can have a relationship. You can have a relationship with God. You can have peace when everything else, because he's coming to restore you to the person you were created to be. But that's good news for some of you. Because you've thought what you've been told you are, that that's the final word. But Sar Shalom is showing up today saying, I came to set things right. To restore you to become the person I created you to be. Well, Kelly, I'm nothing special. Oh, I take issue with that. The Bible says you are the apple of his eye. That you are his beloved. I'm nobody special. Really? I wouldn't send my only son to die for someone that wasn't special to me. I'm telling you, the angel was proclaiming, it is now possible for men and women to be made whole again. Quit trying to impress God. That's what the angel was saying. Because up to this point, everything they did to, to get close was about impressing. Did I make the right sacrifice? Did I look the right way? Did I do? And it quit trying to impress God because of what Jesus is doing. The Prince of Peace. I'm telling you, God. So what do I need to do? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, the Sar Shalom, will step in. Bring your request. Quit trying to work it out on your own. Give it to God, and what happens? The Sar Shalom steps in. And the peace of God, which transcends all of a sudden, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So what do we do? What do we do when we're on the outside and we're trying to work things out on our own? What do we do when we're trying to find a solution on our own? We simply step under the lordship of the Sar Shalom and trust him with it. And we, we give it to him and say, God, you know what? I can't do this. I, it's no longer mine to control. I've been trying to control it. I've been trying to work out every situation. But I trust you. And I'm going to operate life in your peace, not mine that I'm trying to create. There's an old hymn, one of my favorite hymns, um, It Is Well With My Soul. And a lot of you know the story behind the writing of this song. 
but for those of you who don't, it's one of my favorite stories about how this song came to be. The song was written by a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford in 1873. Horatio was a successful lawyer, businessman in Chicago. He had a great family, had his wife Anna and five children, four girls and a boy. Even though he was a successful, he was not a stranger to tragedy. In 1871, his son died of pneumonia. In that same year, a lot of his businesses were lost due to the great fire of Chicago. But after the fire, his business began to pick back up again, do well. And on November 21st of 1873, Horatio, his wife, and his four daughters were set to go on the French Ocean Liner across the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe. Well, some unexpected business came up for Horatio, so he had to stay back. So he sent Anna and his four daughters on ahead. About four days into the trip, the ship that Horatio's family was on collided with another ship. Within 12 minutes of being hit, the ship sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, killing 226 people, his four daughters included. His wife, Anna, survived. She was spotted floating on some wreckage, was saved. Nine days later, when she finally got to port, she wired her husband, Horatio, with this message. Saved alone. What shall I do? Horatio booked the next available ship headed to meet his grieving wife. And he told the... Uh, captain, he said, when we get to the place where the boat went down and my daughters died, come get me, let me know. About four days into the trip, the captain came and got him. He said, we're, we're over where the ship went down. Horatio went out there and began to look over the area where his four daughters had died. And from that moment, he pinned these words we still sing today. When peace like a river attended my way When sorrows like sea drive a man that had just lost four dollars to pen those words right there a grieving father what could, what could cause him to stop in the middle of the chaos that life handed him to pen the words it is well with my soul 
was cause of chaos didn't control him. He surrendered it to the Tsar Shalom, the commander of peace, the commander of completeness, the commander of wholeness. Did, listen, didn't mean he liked it. He said, God, it's yours. some of you you don't know the star shalom period because you don't have a relationship with it and you think something you did you think your sin you think your addiction you think something in your past is going to have the final word in your life but I'm here to tell you today star shalom was born he issued an invitation. Come, let me make you complete. Let me make you whole. This does not have to have the final word in your life. That's about it. If you're here today and you'd be honest enough to say, Kelly, I don't have a relationship with him. allowed this sin, I've allowed this addiction, I've allowed this whatever in my life to define who I am. But I want to know the Sar Shalom. I want today, I want him, for him to start restoring me back to the man, to the woman that I was created to be. That's what I want. If that's you, Heads bowed, eyes bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. If that's you, raise your hand. I just want to pray with you right where you are. Come on, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Put your hand back up in your back. Ben, would you turn around and pray? said, Kelly, I know I've got a relationship with Jesus and I'm walking through a time right now where it seems there is no peace. And I've been trying to just work things out on my own. I've been trying to control the situation. There is no peace. And I need God. I need the Sar Shalom to bring peace into my mind, into my heart, into my soul. Because right now, life is wreaking havoc. And I know I'm speaking to people. I don't know if it's wreaking havoc emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. But I know life is hitting a lot of you. And today, God sent me here to tell you, allow, allow the Sar Shalom you be honest, say, Kelly, you know what, that's me, I'm, 